Hello and welcome to the Sunday Roast. It is Sunday the 9th of May and it's the usual gang here. We've got Bill Carroll, we've got Kevin Hornsby and if he can be bothered to turn up, we've got Albert Arthur as well. How are you today, gents? Very good. All well. Albert, how are you? You were missing in action on Wednesday. We were, we were missing you. It wasn't the same. Sorry, I've had an absolutely crazy week. I had the lovely Jasmine over again, so I was focusing my attention on, on That's Jasmine. not a good excuse. Strangers <laughs> in the night. In fact, in fact, we want, we want a, glances, a note. We want a, a, a note from her. It was the last minute. 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 It was I'm not buying My that. week was outstanding, but improving. Should we start with Phil? Because otherwise this turns into a mess. How was your week, Phil? Yeah, it's been good on uh, different aspects. In, you know, personal life has been good. Um, got my sister's car back on the road today, which has been a, a bit of a blessing. Sat up for, for 10 years, an old an old golf cabriolet, a bit, a bit of a, a petrol head, as you know. So that, that's been an achievement. And I just had a list of jobs to do where, you know, you're striking them off. I, I really like that where you start the day and you write down a list of tasks and you just, as you strike through them and, you, you know, you, you beat them all. And by the end of the day, you think, I've achieved something there. You know, if you, I, I just love having a to-do list. So that, that's, that's been good. Very, very productive couple of days. And um, yeah, so it's been, it's been a really good week. Weather's been a bit, bit rubbish, hasn't it? But um, yeah, it always seems to turn towards the end of the week. On the share front, on, on the markets, it's been it's been really good. I mean, Tuesday, I think we alluded to this um, on the Wednesday midweek takeaway. We, we, it was a fan. Tuesday was one of the best days. It's the first trading day of May, and phenomenal. You know, the whole portfolio was up about thirty, I think thirty two percent. Wednesday, you know, bit of a correction on it, but we finished the week really strong. The two that I'll mention, um, I think I mentioned them again on on the midweek roast was the was was Forbes Ventures. And they hit about 4.8 today, which I think is an, is an actual all-time high from 0.685, my first buy-in. So it, it's done 5x on, on that initial investment. I actually added some more this morning around the 4.3 mark. But what they do, just to, just to explain a little bit about that, they, they, they're basically a litig litigation funding specialist. Now, litigation funding, which is also known as legal financing, it enables um, the parties who otherwise lack the necessary funds to actually... Um, to, to, to fight against an arbitration or a litigation claim against them. And then obviously someone like Forbes, the actual securitization vehicle, will come in and then take a fee based on, on whatever's, whatever's won. So we're working on two at the moment um, within the, the, Malta, the Maltese outfit, and they're expecting the first securitization of 40 million and then the second one of 60. And if we're to believe believed what you know everything we see and obviously that the previous rns is then that, that literally is due any day and i think that's why we've seen a really good uptick in the share price from from the three pence last week so um very illiquid very little free flow out there and it really does move on on, on every single buy so yeah it's been, it's been a it's like a proper darling of a share for me it's been it's been one of the best certainly this year it's been it's been my most um most successful and the, and the, the one that's you know you just get a share sometimes and you, you feel like it's an absolute pleasure to be in it you don't get wild swings of these sort of 30 30% corrections and panic sell off it's just kind of been rock solid so um target has been set for 10 pence on, on that one i revised it from 6 pence because it's just moving so well and we, we haven't heard of the you know we haven't got the news i think i think we'll it will move up on, on the two deals being uh, being finalized so 
that's that's been really good. The second one is um, is our fa- well, not our favourite, but the one that we've 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 obviously had Martin Churchhouse on the last couple of um, last couple of weeks is uh, Carus Mineral Resources CMRS, the Cyprus or Cypriot uh, gold and copper miner. So on Tuesday we got the news of the the joint venture. Oh, sorry, I keep saying joint venture. We got the news of the uh, option agreement for a joint venture with Jubilee Metals. That's and Freudian, Phil. Freudian slip. It is Freudian, man. It's Freudian. And it's because I feel like there is a joint venture imminent. Um, I hope there's a joint venture imminent, should I say. So I think once the um, once the, the airways move uh, open up and we can actually start flying to these places without any kind of quarantine, then we will start to see the Jubilee Metals crew and staff actually get the boots on the ground in, in Cyprus. They'll start to assess one of the 16 or all of the 16 uh, licenses that, that uh, Keras Minerals hold. And from there, they will then make a decision on the, they'll obviously go for the low hanging fruit. They'll choose the, the, the license that they want to potentially joint venture on. And then we will start to see the news of the joint venture agreement. And we'll start to see some, uh, you know, uh, hopefully a larger uptick in the share price. So, so that's just been fantastic. And, and I really like the company. I, it dropped back today to around the 21.5% mark. There was a, a very large trade. We don't know whether it's a buy or a sell at the moment. Um, people have got their own opinions on what it is. It was a 3 million trade. So it's about 660,000 660, pounds. And then once that happened and that was out in the open, boom, it went off. And it, it, I think it hit 26.8 or 27 pence. And it, it finished, closed the day at 25.75. So Fantastic week on on Keras. You know, if you'd have told me last week on Friday that we would have finished the day, the, the week about probably thirty five to forty percent up on the close last Friday, I would I would have snapped my hand off. So yeah, excellent week really on the markets. Uh, Rambler had a bit of a mare today that that they had an RNS out this morning, which alluded to the fact that <laughs> they've just done a couple of a couple of financing rounds the last probably two months. They announced one back in, I think it was back end, back end of January or February or early Feb for a couple of million. And then they ran another one pretty much within sort of must have been three or four weeks of that. So that, you know, they've, they've, they've got money. I think the cash position's around $6 million or something like that. So I, I don't understand what, you know, why they need to raise. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to do a placing, but if you look at the, the, the RNS today, it certainly mentions financing options, which has obviously caused a bit of a panic sell-off. I thought the RNS was actually very positive. It talked about them actually putting, uh, talking about the copper revenues. So that, that you know, and there have, there have been some pretty solid revenues from it. So very, very surprised. Well, I'm not surprised because it's just the inexperienced um, investors doing the usual panic sell. As soon as they start to see sales, they, they they they're like sheep, aren't they? All rushing for the door. So I think 0. 0.43, 0. 0.44 offers a fantastic um, point to to just you know to, to to jump in if you're not already in or even average down. So that's my week in a nutshell. Yeah, I just want to talk about the just mention. I don't normally uh, uh, add on to what you say, but I just thought with Keras, I would have thought myself the shares would have been actually even higher than 25p. I just think it's absolutely transformational for Keras, obviously, and it's pretty good for Jubilee. And in fact, Jubilee should have been higher too. So I think yeah. it's I almost ju- like a good, it's, it's a good test of the market that when you have yeah. something which is literally a 10 out of 10, yeah, in terms of the announcement, it's a surprise and. Yeah, you know, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing not to like if you see what I mean. Absolutely. So, you know, the you know, wow, it's just like okay, you're twenty five p. I mean, I would have thought probably if you'd asked me. I mean, you said you were surprised. You know, you're pleased that it's at this level. I would have thought it would be in the 
the low to mid 30s by now. We would have yeah. had just a stonking week. I, I wouldn't have thought there would have been any. I think it's sort of consolidated for a couple of days, you know, around 25 or you know that sort of level. I think I talked about it on um, talked about it on the the midweek takeaway, and I, I said that you know my levels with the stocks it's very much a sort of you know three seven ten fifteen twenty five forty i would have thought you'd be hitting the uh, heading towards the next uh, the next level of uh, of 40 so that's a bit of a surprise to me but uh, you know hey that's the market the other thing with rambler i think i talked about that on wednesday as well and on that talk i think people are looking at me a bit funny when i sort of saying well a 0.6 p and it looks a bit you know it looks like it's a bit tired etc and uh, obviously it was rather tired but um it's sort of like the rambler of old in a way. You know, we've got a touch of the old ramblers. I which think you're the- right. I think all of the good work that's been put in recently has literally just been undone on a on a, an RNS that may have been a little, you know, that sowed a seed of doubt into people's mind about financing options. No one likes financing. No one likes to talk about placings. No one likes, you know, debt or whatever, you know, whatever, however you want to dress it up. It's a fact. It is a fact that small companies that, are, that have no cash flow, that have got big projects, will need some sort of funding to to. To progress them you know so what happens so um yeah back to carers on that so this this large trade um this six six million sorry three million three million trade six hundred and sixty six hundred and sixty thousand pounds if it was a sell and that would have obviously had to have been a work sell that's the reason why the price uh the price dropped i think it was around the 22 pence mark anyway or 21 and a half 22 percent 22 pence then obviously it's been held down and then as soon as that i mean it's more likely to be a sell because they've held it down at that price and then they've taken it up today once the sell's been processed they've got all the shares they've, you know they've drip fed it in done declared take it back up and that's exactly what's happened so once we get to the bottom of that we'll find out exactly what it was a disposal yeah, and obviously yeah, and obviously interesting that somebody decided that after that news they wanted to get out I mean, there's all sorts of reasons, Zach, why, why, you know, why a broker might want to get out, why a a fund manager may, you know, they've, 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 they've in at the 10p, they're out at 22, you know, nice work if you can get it. I'm not going to begrudge anyone. I actually, I actually quite, I encourage it because it adds that whole next new level of liquidity to the stock. The fact that there's now 3 million shares there that will be, I mean, that's not, they'll be snapped up within a couple of weeks if we look at the trading volume. So that, that yeah, I, I quite like the fact that there's more liquidity in the market now and market makers will actually now, they'll want to take that up even higher. Okay, well, should we go on to Albert if he's not uh, got his children? Yeah, I'm here. Kids are, running around, kids are running around in the garden. I'm here. My week has been absolutely manic. Um, but stock-wise, holding positions still, very surprised to see SMG around these levels and very tempting to buy more. I think there's a lot of traders in it, and I think with a sentiment of things like uh, things opening up in this country, people are starting to think, oh, God, we're vaccinated, we don't need treatments, but that's not how I look at it. I see a bigger picture. So building a position in SMG, I think, is quite wise. There was some phase two... Um, self-administered trial results for their antiviral drug, uh, which looked at a three-to-one ratio, very successful, and it had a sell-off. Couldn't believe it. Typical aim, uh, but time to buy, in my opinion, things like that. The good old Deep Virgin, one of my favourites that I've been invested in for a while, that was an algo buy, um, which was, I think originally I found it because they uh, it was a partnership or something with a vector, I started looking at it and I was thinking, what is this? 
what's it all about? Sewage, wastewater, testing. And it, I, I did some research on it for a while. And old Jerry, I know I got his name wrong, Gerald, called him Gerald when I was talking. He, he doesn't mind, Jerry, Gerald, he, does, he doesn't actually <laughs> mind. Gerald, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, I watched some videos of him doing some speeches saying, oh, we're going to do, I think it was 400% on revenue. You, want, you said he was going to get to 4 million or something like that. So I, I took a position when it was uh, called Skin. Because I like the fact my app had found it, my algo had found it. And then it wasn't just a, a one-trick pony. There was all this other stuff going on, Lab Skin, Skin Trust Club. and But what really got it for me was this proactive, preventative kind of COVID detection system. And I love things like that, completely outside the box, something no one's doing. And, and rather than reacting, like testing and treatments and vaccines, how do you stop it? And when I'm in projects at, at work, we go into the PIR post implementation review, and what we do is, well, we're in this predicament. How do we stop it? That's what drew my attention. In, but then obviously there's fundamentals, the CEOs, the uh, the revenues, what's coming with the company, and then I start. So I was building my position. I think I was. It was under two p my original position, and there was a consolidation, MWG merger. There was a bit of contention with people trading around the MWG. Uh, modern water that's the right ticker isn't it and wg i normally get them wrong <laughs> yeah. but yeah uh, and then i think there was a one of the breath tests but then i think the same tech i mean you we've actually got the man on so maybe you can elaborate on some of this it's the same tech the way i see it is the the water surveillance for me is that is that was the reason i invested and i think you had some news last week where you've actually got a, a contract or partnership with China resources that own all of the sewage systems in China for this type of uh, monitoring the, the, the water but it's not just COVID it's all kinds of it's, it, to me it's like a thing of the future well it's here now <laughs> maybe uh, Jerry you can explain the company uh, better than Albert maybe one or two things there well it's it's actually interesting you know when you're actually listening to the other side of the of the fence as it were from the investors perspective the shareholders perspective and a couple of things going back on something that Phil was actually talking about again it's very interesting in relation to the share price and the share price movements subject to liquidity etc all of that is really you know critical in the entire building of the company and I'm not talking about just our company here with Deferge, I'm talking about any company, you know, what I've done is, is I suppose I've built a career on, on turning companies around and it means bringing in all of the stakeholders, which includes the retail shareholder base, especially when you actually have companies that have come from institutional only investment base and, you know, and not achieved their full potential to the point of where it's become a company that's, you know, one or two or three million with some Amazing. That China resources is, yeah. I was looking at the revenue, it's something like 60 billion. How does it feel to kind of get involved working with those guys well, on a kind know, of a micro cap, really, on an aim share? Here's the thing that is interesting I had the fortune of working in you know, founding and building Ultracell Pharmaceuticals, and I had on my board Dennis Malmatinus, who was the former CEO of Pepsi and Burger King. On the same board, I had Ariel Finan, who retired as the president of Coca-Cola Bottling. So I had four years working with global 
mentality at board level. It, it was an MBA in how to actually have a global distribution, how to own, control, and dominate it, and manage it. And that pretty much is what has been brought forward to the situation with Deep Verge. Acquiring modern water wasn't just acquiring great technology. When you think of it, they spent 20 million developing this over a period of 12, 13 years. And they spent that 30 million from institutions back in 2007. They bought this monitoring division in 2011, paid four and a half million for it, which had been around since 1984. And I put out a tweet today that Microtox, the brand actually from uh, Modern Water, has been in every single Olympics testing drinking water, except the Brazilian one, where the water in Brazil was 1.7 million times the actual amount of viruses in it that would be acceptable in the United States or in Europe. So this is, was an incumbent brand. And again, go back to Pepsi, go back to Burger King, go back to actually Coca-Cola. This is a global brand that's been around for 30 years with a distribution in 60 countries. 3,000 of these installations are actually already there. So I was buying that. The technology that came with it is fabulous. And the distribution now that we have is enormous because we've now got China resources who own pretty much control and manage the entire natural resources of China. You know, everything from rare metal, iron ore, whatever it is, if it's in the ground, you know, they manage it, which is why it's a, a $91 billion turnover company. So rather than yeah. us trying to compete, the mm. fact is we're already there. They recognize that we're already there and we already have footprint presence in 60 countries. So yeah. rather than have a royalty, we agreed to set up a joint venture where the brand yeah. will still remain, which is what the, the Chinese people want. They want Western technology in that country. They trust Western technology in that country. Do you think they're going to put this into practice and start doing the, the COVID water surveillance? Can you see this being a thing where, where the COVID cases or other you know diseases start spiking up before it's a problem? They say, oh, what's going on? There's a, there's a pandemic on the horizon. Do you think that's where this is going? I can't really use the word COVID <laughs> in China in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For yeah. obvious reasons, sure. uh, and, and certainly yeah. not in relation to the actual partnerships that we have. But, uh, you know, I go back to, yeah. 19, to 1854 and John Snow and the cholera outbreak in London. That's when wastewater-based epidemiology started. So this isn't new. And what has been happening over the last 160-odd years is an evolution of detection of what it is that causes the viruses to, to spread in pandemics or epidemics. And, you know, there's an entire world that we've only actually discovered in, a, in the last year, the rest of the world has actually discovered that there is a, an entire world of testing wastewater. But that is a jump down a manhole, pick up a sample, transport it back to the laboratory, do your tests over a period of 24 to 48 hours, and then tell everybody, yeah, 48 hours, we found yeah. COVID in the actual wastewater in that place. By then, they're queuing up at the uh, A&E with E. coli. They're queuing up with COVID uh, in areas. I suppose, again, it's inevitable that we're getting to an infrastructure proactive approach to detection. While people have actually said, you know, oh, you should be out there, you know, with the rapid test this, rapid test that. It's just like, it's the hare and the tortoise. 
everyone's gone and done that. They've, they've run around and they've, they've produced their linear flow technology, this and their 90 minute that and a 30 minute this and the 15 minute, you know, whatever it is to actually get it all moving. We have been putting this in place and it's now, this infrastructure is already in place. It's been seen and tested and reviewed by China Resources. It's been seen and tested by governments. I can't say what governments, but I can say pretty much most of the governments that are within our stone's throw of, of where we are in and outside of Europe. Is It's going to be kind of a 3G or 4G or 5G or 60, 70, whatever it's going to be, or kind of an alerting system that's just automatically doing this. Like automation is what where people are heading. So it will just start flagging up on what you know, whatever diseases they are, whether it be COVID. So also what's very interesting is this breath test. Yep. So I've been trying to understand it and I've had a look at the documentation for it. It's the same sort of technology, isn't it? Similar technology. Correct. But you've got a breath, a rapid breath test. I think it's what you is it under it was under 60 seconds. I think 10 seconds or something was the initial figure, or maybe it was seven seconds. Well, so the way I see this is yeah, sorry. No, there's a, minimum, a, uh, there's a minimum requirement of, of under uh, 90 seconds. Yeah. And we said under 60 seconds, which basically means there's enough time for you to drop it on the ground, pick it up, put it back in and do whatever it is. But it takes four seconds for us. So to what you have, is, you have a breath test and you yeah. put a cartridge in it that's the size of a 5P, say. Correct. And the way it works is they'd have this microdox machine. So say you were going to a festival or a club or wherever it was, yeah. you'd have this breath test and then you have a cartridge, you replace the cartridge. How much do the, the cartridges cost? These tests will probably be around four to five pounds each. It's oversimplified because it's quite simple. Yeah. And, and this is why it's so simple. If you take it that we test it on the water, the wastewater, the ship itself is just pretty much a million little slots we have the optimers and the optimers from Avacta and Optimer Group. In these little slots, they are the capturing devices. Like we do not capture anything. We just facilitate this. As soon as the, yeah. the virus is actually captured, it's scanned consistently. It's a bit like watching the 3D buildup of a landscape on a computer system. In the first instance, you see a flat surface. And when you actually capture the, the virus, that surface change, and, and it's the change of that creates a signal. That's the chip. That's the actual, you say, laboratory on a chip. Mm. When you actually breathe out on a cold morning, you see the condensate. So when you breathe out and you convert that breath to condensate using a, a chilled surface, you create the water with the, the virus uh, contained in that. And that's exactly the same situation. So the way I see it is, let's say we're going to a festival yeah. and we're in the future. We're not doing this PCR lateral flow. Maybe PCRs will be the backbone or whatever. So we turn up, we've got this little device. We've got this little 5P cartridge that goes in. On entry, you do this rapid breath test. Then you take out the cartridge and then you would slot that into the machine, the micro docs, is it DX? that would then signal off into the cloud or wherever. And then would it come to a smartphone application and then you'd go, ping, I'm okay, I'm, I'm allowed in. Is that the idea? Or Yes, but we wouldn't have the queue. We wouldn't have the queue. So these... Because it's units, so fast. Yeah, these units are can be anywhere. 
So it's likely that you know they'll be in a, a pharmacy, they'll be in a GP's office, they'll be in a, a like an ATM machine. It's funny, you know, we 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 looked at everybody going away from cash. So what's ubiquitous around the high street? Well, the ATM machines are. So why don't we actually retrofit some you know ATM machines, and you have access to this facility on a permanent basis? Now you know <laughs> we haven't got there, but that's the type of ubiquity that there's availability that we'd actually have on this. So without saying too much, have you got eyes on you from anyone? You know, for for the saying, oh, we we like the look of this. You know, if it's gonna, I know you've gone through phase three trials and so on, but without saying too much, have you got? Have you been in talks or? Yeah, you know, we we built the Eco Water OS system with global partners, and and you know that list is is available. I constantly talk about it. Um, and our partners actually include Dell Technologies for the actual backbone of the data collection and, uh, and aggregation. Um, and again, China Resources, uh, these are very big capabilities. I, I didn't build this to have somebody come along and say, you know, here's three or 400 million or whatever it is that is, is, a, is a nice figure on the top of your head. The reality is I've helped build this with a, a team who have the capability to scale and the experience uh, and expertise to scale. And at some point in time, because we're agnostic, at some point in time, there may be approaches from you know, certain parties that we've actually had discussions about you know, vertical markets in certain areas. Like event management is probably the biggest area that is not a group of pubs, or, but global event companies who want to solve a global problem. The likes of Las Vegas, that's a global conference center. It's that sort of level of scale capability that you're talking about. So you would have those type of areas done first. The cruise industry, exactly the same. You know, some of the, uh, floating Petri dish. The reality is, you know, we're all floating Petri dishes and we all bring the virus, different viruses around with us all the time. So this will be about managing yeah. specific industries with a lot of people going in and out and uh, hospitality is huge in, in this i think the cruise ship one is is the real one that that sort of you know sounds you you can see the use of it i mean you can see the use of it anywhere but for cruise yeah. ships you know as soon as you're out at sea the water detection system flags at the alert and then obviously they can do further testing based on that etc and, and also, I think a good point was was like Olympic Village, like the athlete village as well. You know, if, if there's an outbreak there, I mean, G7 summit or whatever, you know, the Indians bring it in with them as they've done this week. You know, it's, it's amazing how um, how quickly it moves around. But yeah, so the so the 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 breathalyzer, the one, does that detect the spike protein? Is it is that what it sort of scans for? All of them, all of them detect spike protein. Spike protein. OK. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that you've got the different type, you've got the S and the and the N, you've got the, the different, that means it looking. Yeah, the N is actually an internal. So the S is on the outside, that's a spike. The, yeah. Whereas the N is actually the in, internal uh, inside inside of the actual cell. Okay. But does it detect, would it detect all mutations? Is, is, is it scanning for something that's, that if it mutates and you don't, I mean, is it, how could it, is, 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 can it slip through? If you follow, if you follow a VAC down, I'm sure you, you guys yeah. do. And the, the Optima group, again, yeah worth actually following them as well, because they put out exactly the same type of, of uh, output as, as the Vacta does, being a private company, for instance, at the moment. But you'll see that it takes them approximately eight to 10 days to have an, a different variant detected. So for us, 
where we facilitate the capture device. So we're not yeah. a vector <laughs> would actually be providing us with the affirmers that we know capture this, or the optimer group would actually give us an optimer that would capture, and there's a variety. I mean, we're, we're, we're literally talking about PMMOV, which is a different virus that's in the sewage system because not everywhere has COVID. So we can have multiplex. So we can capture different types of viruses and tell you, okay, so in this area, you have higher antibiotics in the system. You have E. coli from flooding and climate change issues. You have, you know, concentrations of up to 2,700 yeah. viruses, pathogens, viruses, bacteria, fungi, and parasites yeah. that modern water already detects i guess you could use it for for doping as well within like a, you know you, you think you're you're your average olympic ath, olympic village has probably got twelve thousand to twenty four thousand athletes in it you could almost set it up to check for you know doping for for drugs that are you know you do i mean that that same you know the, the same as they jump down the manhole they, they take blood tests and then they take it back to the lab and then they actually you know populate it in a petri dish and then 24 or 48 hours later they come back and they say well you know we've seen the growth yeah. You're actually, you know, taking this, whereas, yeah. you know, we're looking at this from the point of view of, of, and again, being on the board of Microsaic as well, their miniaturized version of the mass spectrometer yeah. is a data collection magnet. So, you know, you put this in the back of a, a police car, you know, you don't have to go back to the police station anymore and take two police officers off the streets while they actually do a, another test, you know, from the back of a police car, you can actually do it in a few seconds. Yeah, your nicknames. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. So, are you working on? I mean, I know you're an AI, an AI company. So, are you working on any other technologies? The way that we actually describe ourselves, pretty much, is that we're an artificial intelligence company yeah. with an environmental health division and a life science division, which is the, obviously the lab skin side of our business. Mm-hmm. The fact is that each of those divisions, without artificial intelligence, would be worth what they were worth when we bought them, you know, in an underexploited piece of technology. But when you drop in data, when you actually make, I remember back in, in, in you know, secondary school, my economics teacher was saying, you know, okay, what's the definition of economics? It's land, labor, capital, and enterprise. Today, there's a fifth and it's data. And those land, labor, capital, and enterprise were scarce resources, the management of scarce resources, data, multiplies on a daily basis. I mean, a phenomenal amount of data out there. And this, you know, where AI fixing big data, we can help you do this. You're looking for a needle in a haystack. And in some cases, you're looking for a needle in 45 haystacks with AI. And eventually you'll get there. And this, you know, it sees patterns. But because we control the data going in, uh, we are managing the output. So therefore, we're looking for haystacks in a pile of needles <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's for us we actually have you know, ru- you know the old saying of rubbish in rubbish out there's an awful lot in ai that is i think thrown over people's heads when you say you know big data oh yeah let's just pile in there mm. we're going to make a fortune in that because that company is in ai well, yeah you know it may well be that you'll actually reduce the actual amount of time it takes for a big farmer to actually get from a two billion expenditure to one and a half billion. And it'll still probably take you the best part of six or seven years instead of 10 to 12. Absolutely wonderful. 
but they're not in control of data. They're trying their best to try of everything that comes in to try and find the patterns. Mm. When you own control and manage the data going in, you're quickly out with the result. So like when they're chasing things that are months, possibly years, we're taking four seconds because we know the data going in and we actually know the data coming out. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between those who have the big spend to try and find what it is that they're looking for or what they think they're looking for. Mm. And us in Deep Verge, who, you know, we made a profit in our last quarter of 2020. You know, so it's, I sometimes look at AI companies that are, you know, private. I think, you know, the benevolent AI is, is a classic example of, you know, the gazillion, billion, whatever valuations that were put on these types of private companies. And I'm thinking, why? You know, a fool and his money are, you know, parted. And, and a lot of it is actually because there's not enough known about what it is that's behind this, in this black box. Yeah. And what, what, what's your background, uh, Jerry? I mean, you you a chemistry scientist? I mean, what, biologist? What, what, uh, engineer. I, I like to fix yeah. things. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in engineering as well. I, I did a, a degree in engineering, uh, you know, so I, I, I like that, you know, that mentality. You, know, you, you fix things. You, you, you know, you said your to-do list. It's meticulous attention yeah. to detail. I think, I suppose, that the, the skill set that I have is delegation one obviously with the team that i actually had in ultracell and they were managing fifteen thousand people and twenty four thousand people they you know they explained mm. that you don't have to think for everybody i think it you helps you delegate. it helps you become a good delegator it helps yeah, you yeah. obviously I, I, a problem solver and also a very good communicator as well and that that really helps because it's just everybody along with you because yeah. you have to you know if there's a there's a phrase by you know a maxi jazz in faithless i often say you know you don't need eyes to see you need vision <laughs> not everybody has the vision and it's entirely up to the actual leader to, yeah. to explain where we're going and then make sure that everyone's coming along and, and agrees that that's the way we're going there's no tyranny yeah. in, in in any of these organizations everybody has to believe super don't mention faithless man it's my wife's favorite band Saw them in Glastonbury in 2002. They did the set and they did like, you know, like Salva Mayer and Insomnia. And it was just, I mean, honestly, one of the best live bands I've ever seen. If you, you know, they were fantastic. So that's pretty much the background. I mean, I just, just finished on, on, a, on a, you know, we have promised, you know, we took it over the value of Integument at the time was I think one and a half million. It, it had lost nine million. It was a basket case. It was the worst performing share in 2017. Now that's the award that you can actually have given the integument, but it had lab skin in there. And then when we brought in the artificial intelligence to automate all of that, and that created the ability for us to build the, the data sets behind lab skin for the 38,000 pieces of skin that were built over the last 15 years. Yeah. Now you're in control of the largest skin microbiome data set in the world. Wow. And that's where we started. And that's what we did exactly the same at Modern Water. So, Jared, I'm coming back to the, uh, the test thing, the four second thing that you're talking about. So can we see this being, um, you know, at the turnstile, you're about to go in and see Liverpool smash Manchester United 4-0 and uh, you breathe into your... Uh, do that and you get a beep and you're allowed in 
You'll go, you'll go in with a, the same way you get onto a Ryanair or EasyJet, which is actually your, your, your QR code. And you will already have tested and it will have automatically from the machine unit that you actually have it tested in away, away from the turnstile. Because you know, all you do is you create bottlenecks when you actually have people, uh, yes, okay. whatever. And, and, and you can also appreciate the last thing that you actually need at 11 o'clock at night when you're, you know, you've left one pub and you're going to the nightclub is to ask a guy who's actually just loaded himself up on a few whiskeys to blow into this thing. <laughs> it's just not going to work. So yeah. you know, a lot of what's being discussed out there is wishful thinking that, you know, it, it's not going to work. You're going to have to do this before you go nearest. Right now we're talking about two days. We, when we originally put this together, we actually did and built the entire software so that you blew into this thing. The test was a digital test. It transmitted back to our secure servers, which are Amazon secure servers. It then transmit, transmitted the results back directly to your phone and it's anonymized. So you, you know, there's no way that there's any data about you goes back. You just scan the, scan the test before you take it. Once you put it into the digital unit, it's automatically sent back to your phone. There's no third party to, needed to verify. There's no guy to actually write it and stamp and do whatever it is that he has to write. It's done automatically. That QR code that you have is then just scanned by anybody. So the bouncer with his Android X do whatever it is phone can simply scan it. It will then send that message back to our server instantaneously, come back and say, yeah, negative, in you go, sir. Because I guarantee you, any moment, you know, seven or eight pints of beer, wanting to get into the nightclub can barely stand, let alone blow into anything. Yeah, and the accuracy, if you fail one, you need a PCR. And at the minute, when you leave and come in the country, you're having to take a PCR test. So is the accuracy of is this, is it kind of up there with a PCR, or do you think it's a replacement for lateral flow? I described a little bit earlier that it's a bit like Google Earth looking down at this 3D. And it will only change the signal if there's um, the virus there. So there can be no false, there can be no false negatives. So this could potentially replace PCR testing, which is currently the backbone of COVID testing. And yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't need to go to the laboratory. So you see, there's always, there's always a necessity using PCR. PCR is a very specific t type of test. It tests for a, the gene sequencing of whatever it is. So you'll always be testing for variants. So yeah. PCR is a, you know, is a, is the fundamental test. It's not yeah. perfect. It is, mm -hmm. they classify it as the gold standard, but in reality, it's fallible. It's not infallible. And you'll have some of the tests required consistently to check for variants. What this would actually do, what we'd expect once it actually does begin to, to roll out, is for me as, as a sustainable environmental perspective person, again, think it through. Two million of these plastic things a week in the UK alone, around the world, Right now, we're dumping 8 million tons of waste plastic into the sea every year. 8 million tons. So what are we going to do with these 2 million, just in the UK, lateral flow tests, plastic items? 
uh, what if what about the actual contamination elements if you if you are positive do you throw that in the bin as well so that does that go to landfill does that go to the beach that's a really good point actually i've not i've not thought of it from that angle the uh, the plastic angle yeah, yeah. very good point so and, so the, how do you decontaminate you know how do you recover how do you recycle do you recycle because again are you recycling the virus <laughs> it's so what all, about the chips in the microdox the, then the is that glass. The chips are glass. Oh, right. So, okay. So that's how you do it then. You buy yeah. a deep purge breath test. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and that will... Uh... And inside of the units, you have a UV light. Yeah. Which yeah. kills any contaminants as it actually is... T- the test is complete. So you, you then have that dropped into the base. It is a recyclable mm. glass and silicon unit. That's no, very interesting. So we've got this test. It's wonderful. And everybody's saying give it to me yeah. how much are you going to charge per test for this we're anticipating about four to five pounds per test okay so you expect who to pay this I don't the care. individual themselves <laughs> you don't care <laughs> uh, look i think it's actually a case that it, it's a bit like the the vaccine there's a there's a point where you have a, a health service that will actually manage some of this. We wanted to have it to, to the point where it's the equivalent of or less than the price of a pint. That's we looked at it and, and worked at it from that point. And again, I go back to my old ultrasound days, and we had a sticky plaster with a stops bleeding fast technology on it. And if we actually did the well, it cost us this to manufacture, and then we had the cost of putting it onto a you know a pad. We put, sticky plaster back, a box, and everybody in the chain adds their 30%. You know, you were putting out there at 15 pounds a box. So you can't uh-huh. do a cost plus. You have to look at what is the consumer likely to pay for this and willing to pay that they would actually accept this as the normal. Uh, coffee in the, in the city of London is going to cost you the best part of, you know, 295, 325. That's what you're talking about, realistically, to get everybody back. Yeah, I did some stats on lateral flow tests. I mean, it actually looks like you've got a good competition there. I think you can undercut lateral flow with this technology. You can never. You can, honestly, it's 7 billion people. You can never have competition. It doesn't matter whether you're doing PCR, lateral flow, breath test, or whatever comes out. I swear mm. to goodness, if you're going to do this and do it properly, you're going to actually have an inability to manufacture that amount. You'd have to be producing the equivalent Definitely, of- but people are going to want to buy the cheapest. So if you've got the cheapest, fastest, you're going to win. That's what the way I was looking at it. I did analysis on calculations and it looks like you, you could be cheaper potentially than lateral flow and faster. I mean, it's not out yet, but it's very interesting, this technology. So, so Jared, never, never mind cheaper and faster. Yeah. The scenario is, if you're talking about charging four pounds for the sake of argument, yeah. a pint of beer, how much does it cost you to go through that process? Obviously, economies of scale are going to be huge, I would imagine, as you go up. But, you know, a few million or a billion of these a year, how much is it going to cost you to do it? I'm not going to actually answer that one for obvious reasons. I can't at this point in time. I have an idea, but I'm not putting it out into the public domain.
Oh, well, that's oh. a nice bit of nice bit yeah. of dead air. It's the only it's the only dead air we've had all day. And <laughs> talking over each other, folks. I tell you what, I'm going to kick Kevin and Alba out in a minute because they're just talking over each other, and, it, and it's making Zach's life hard for editing. Well, no, I could just leave it in and just like you have the sort of you have the <laughs> yeah. the car crash unfolding, you know, with the what big pause at the end. <laughs> so, Jerry, yeah, won't call you Gerald again. I'm very sorry about that. So you've got a lot going on. Lab Skin Skin Trust Club, which is exploding at the minute. You've got a lot of people signing up to that, I've noticed. You've got the COVID test in the breath test. What's your favourite bit that you're working on, which is, do you think is going to be the most successful? There's two potential unicorns, you know, and with respect to unicorns. And it was one unicorn before the last month. But now it's two. The first one is obviously the Skin Trust Club, because the Skin Trust Club is an extension to what was originally given to skin care companies, clinical trial companies for testing products. And they were being charged, you know, 100, 150,000 for a list of reports done on a number of people and also matched by the actual work that we do in, in on lab skin. Now, when you democratize skin testing so you take this largest organ on your body and you know we all suffer from some form of skin disease i grew up with acne and i had adult acne for a long long time so uh, you know we've we've all got and there's three thousand skin diseases skin conditions so but we've fixated on the few that most people actually have now if you or to go to a dermatologist privately. I don't know what it is. Obviously in the, in the UK, you want, we, we've got the National Health Service, but everywhere else, believe me, in the rest of the world, people pay. And you know, you pay for a private consultancy in, the, in, in Ireland, for instance, up 250 pounds, uh, 250 euros, about 200 quid. So that's, you know, you'd go and you actually ask the dermatologist, you know, what's the best thing for my face or the GP, you go and pay him whatever it is, 50, 60 pounds outside of the UK I'm talking about, but you, you go and pay him. Now, they will give you some prescription or they will actually recommend that you actually change from this to that or a emulsifier for eczema or whatever. We came up with the understanding with lab skin, you know, I mean, when you think about it, this is actually human skin grown from human cells so, and it can host exactly everything that we have on our skin itself in the real world environment. So we looked at it from the perspective of what would give us, uh, what source would give us the best recommendation? It, it's your own skin. So we already do the tests. So we, we, we do a DNA test and the next generation gene sequencing test. And that test tells us what the state of our skin is in. It gives you a, a balance of the good and bad microbiota, which is the actual bacteria, good and bad bacteria. We've, we've gone through this with, with a gut microbiome. You know, you, you, you take the uh, Actamil or whatever, and, and it's good bacteria and it changes the inside of your thing. Outside is exactly the same. You have the microbiome in your skin and the balance gives you these symptoms. If it's badly balanced, you know, you're itchy, you're irritated, uh, it's red, etc. Where you bring the balance back, you don't cure whatever underlying immune autoimmune disease you have, but the irritation's gone, the itchiness is gone, the, all of the things that actually cause you to be irritated by that. But your skin will tell you better than a dermatologist because he's only actually doing it on observation. 
So when you actually have the report back, it's a report on what your skin says, this is what I suffer from. And these are the recommendations that you do in order to bring me back into balance. Now that's what we've done with this. When you take the likes of, uh, let's get checked, the private company that was started in Ireland uh, five, five and a half years ago, they're now turning over 172 million a year in five and a half years. And they're just doing your average tests of, you know, 100, 150, 200, and giving you this, well, not diagnosis, but they give you the report and you can take the report to your doctor in exactly the same way here. The dermatologist will read exactly what we recommend and tell you what we recommend. We can't tell you that you suffer from psoriasis or eczema or acne, but we can say in the report, people like with this type of microbiome are liable to have this type of skin condition. That's pretty much what, what actually you get. It sounds, it sounds phenomenal. Yeah. And the beauty about this is that the data that is accumulated for every person that comes in is our research data. Like our, our skin microbiome picture of the world becomes exactly the same as you know, DNA ancestry. 23andMe, I mean, that is a 23 billion valuation special purpose acquisition vehicle in, on NASDAQ recently. Mm. So this is, data is that fifth element. And if you control what's going in and own what's coming out, uh, you know, there's, there's companies buying data to analyze. Yeah. We create the data ourselves. We get this from our customers who, who we help you know, solve their skin problems. And we in turn can charge skin companies clinical trial prices of five, 600 pounds for, for each subject who has acne to test on their products and ingredients. So we get paid at both ends. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, you don't, you don't, people underestimate. I mean, if I ask you guys, obviously not you, Jerry, cause you'll know the answer. What's the largest organ in the human body? Yeah, people will go, yeah, my heart or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But the, the skin, skin is the largest organ, right? And it- Sorry, I, I would have said skin. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're, you're obviously super intelligent, Kevin, you know? Yeah, but- too much it's, it's an, it's an organ. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that in itself, I mean, and also, as you said, like it's a really good indicator of your, of your health, but not only health, but also of how, like, how stressed you are, because stress yeah. can bring out and exacerbate conditions like psoriasis and... You know, you, if you're having a really bad week and you're super stressed, you, you know, you come out in rashes and hives and, you know, there's all sorts of... And, and with, the, with the AI and so on, so is it kind of dynamic? Is it, oh, I've moved to a different country. I need different products now. Or, you know, I'm older now. Maybe that cream's not the best for my wrinkles or, or my acne or whatever. Is it kind of dynamic like that? Your skin is telling you what, what it needs. This is basically the Rosetta Stone for the the previously encrypted voice that your skin had. So if you think this through, you take a swab of your skin, you send it to the laboratory, we do the analysis. The report is automatically produced based on the data sets that we have built up over the last 13 years. This is our 13 year moat around the technology. Even if you actually had all the money in the world you wanted to actually create this, it's going to take you 30 to 40,000 people of tests to do this. Yeah. This isn't the case of, oh, what happens if L'Oreal comes in or, oh, you know, yeah, right. 
they can do that, but they still have to actually do all of the tests to build that data set. We own the largest skin so, microbiome data set. So, so, so what do you think of Turner Pope's 84p target then? Do you think that's underestimating it? You're, oh. asking, you're, you're asking someone who likes M rule 10 and 11 and, and <laughs> thank you very much. If, if, if I know my listening to this, switch off now. Please. <laughs> uh, there's First Amendment is applied again. I think on this cap, it's dead air number two. I said it was a 10 bag. Number two. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just say it again, and we'll wait about thirty to forty minutes before we talk. So it's really an awkward, you know, an awkward yeah. silence. But no, I mean, if I want it, so honestly, and this is a genuine question. If I contact you after after the podcast, uh, Jerry, because I'd like to do that, I'd like to actually join or how you know, however, you do this sample and get it, you know, get it off to you because I suffer sometimes from a scalp. Well, and just, it, I've tried everything. Skintrustclub.com. Right, I'm on it. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else. People don't realize this. It has gone now 10 months. 10 months ago, we hired a software company in Silicon Valley to write the back end of this. We yeah. hired the user experience people in New York to write the front end of this. And our AI architects that are in RhinoCloud built the infrastructure to actually do this. So this isn't something that, you know, you do in your couple of lads would do in the bedroom and write it up. This is not uh, take a photograph and use AI to act as an observation to tell you what condition your skin is in because if the light's not good. This is basically your skin talking to you. Yeah, that's, that's how exciting it. it is for me. So you need to get it out there and tell everybody, Jared. That's the deal. Well, well, I mean, to be honest with you, what I'll do, and I will register, and I will get it sorted, and I will send it. on. Oh, no, I want to see the results. I'll be, I'll be the, I'll be the guinea, not the guinea, because obviously there's many, but I'll be the the guy, you know, the the podcast guy who does it and reports back, and we'll come on and we'll talk. But an interesting point you made about the gut biome and, and like the buildup of 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 the, um, you know, the bacteria and the good yeah. bacteria and the bad. I saw a documentary about this probably a couple of years ago and they went, I think they went to a specialist in Israel and a woman went in and they analyzed her bacteria in her gut. And they literally said, you are, you, you, you know, you need to avoid sort of fatty foods, but you can eat, you know, you need more. Pro and they, they literally said, they, they analyzed the diet and said what sort of food she could process well, a bit like, you know, you go on exercise, they analyze whether you're a cardiovascular guy or whether you're a C, you know, or whether you're a weights guy, you know, that how does your body respond to, to running or to, to weights? And then you can build, you know, you can sort of tailor make your gym plan based on that. So with the gut biome, and I couldn't believe this. And again, correct me if, if, if I'm wrong, that you could take a good gut bacteria from somebody else and effectively implant it into someone who's got like a you know the too much bad gut bacteria and then it will then generate more of the good bacteria and then help with the people that have got bad you know ibs or whatever some sort of you know you know disease within the bowel within the gut that would actually help improve the way they digest and their help you know the whole digestive system is that is that possible you do it already, you know, when you actually buy those Actamil, you're yeah. actually consuming bacteria yeah. that actually reacts with the gut bacteria that you have. So, okay. you know, if you think about it, you already do it. The vast majority of us actually who, who do take the, yeah. uh, the equivalent, yeah. uh, there's so many different com competitors, but I mean, stuck in my head is that brand Actamil. So, 
Uh, yeah, it just seems struck me as being strange that you could take a good, uh, you know, somebody else's gut bacteria. It seems a bit, it seems a bit strange putting a foreign, you know, but you could actually help people with gut issues and too too much of the bad mm -hmm. bacteria and actually implant it into someone and and it, and it, and it increases their, you know, the, the quality of life, etc. So different to what we do with the virus, you know, when yeah. we do it every year with the vaccine, you know, yeah. you actually take a, an inert vaccine element away from an existing virus and you transplant it into yourself to get your immune system to trigger it. It's absolutely no different to what's on your skin. If you actually manage the skin with uh, the, the right lotions regimen, you mm. will actually transform your skin back to its best state. So follow the rules and take the recommendation of what it is that, that uh, it gives you. Jed, can I ask you uh, the one question that I think people want answered? What is going to um, make people invest in Deep Verge? Because ultimately, they're going to want the share price to to uh, to go up. What is going to make that happen? I, I, in other words, what is the revenue going to explode? Is the uh, profit going to be there? How, how do you envisage that in the next, say, one to three years? Well, I can say revenue explode is yes. And that's partly in, in to do with, with, with the second unicorn element that I was talking about, because while we've actually waited all this length of time, or appear to have been waiting all this length of time for the PCR fundamentalists to dictate that that's what you have to have. And then the LFT, uh, LFDs to come out as the, the, the rapid, faster testing that comes along. We're moving to the point of where two days ago, the World Health Organization uh, announced that they're setting up the German hub digital hub, listen to the exact words, for data aggregation, the use of AI to actually detect in real time what's going on and have a coordinated effort targeted for managing of this and future epidemics and pandemics. Now, it's no coincidence we actually announced the next day about what we are doing in Cork with our AI hub, the optofluidics, the R&D, the epidemiologists, you know, people think that we don't talk to anybody. We talk to everybody at every level of every organization in this. The reason why China resources are with us is the reason why a lot of the governments are working with us. And the governments are coming out with stuff that you don't know about yet, but it's all about data, instant, real-time infrastructure. You know, when Joe Biden talks about investment in the infrastructure in the U.S., when here, the, I think it was actually a couple of days ago, there was a, a public member's bill put forward on sewage and overflow detection and monitoring and the responsibility going on the water. Like, this isn't music to our ears. You know, we've been writing the lyrics for this for an awful long time. <laughs> You don't want me to start singing again here. No, <laughs> yeah, please don't sing. Jerry, uh, going, just, just so people understand, going back to revenue, yeah. when I first invested about a year ago, you said, what was it a 400% flip on revenue? Yes. And you did yes. that and you forecast that again. Yeah. So yeah. you're talking, you're going to be in the circa 12. I'm just happy to say, I'm happy to say triple digit percentage growth. Yeah. We did triple-digit percentage growth in a half year. See, that's one of the things that got me invested. I love a revenue flip. I love a company that's loss-making that turns profit-making. 
yeah. I like to be surfing that wave when that happens. And that's one of the reasons I was invested. And yeah. and you delivered on it last time. And I think you're going to deliver on it again. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing well, what happens. I've interacted with the retail private investor simply because I'm a large investor and the management team are investors in this. And pretty much everybody in the organization has shares or share options in this. So they know and this is for, for them, this is a phenomenal opportunity, not from a share perspective, but from a transformation. I mean, I looked at this as a societal problem. You know, we all have skin problems, billions of us. COVID is a global societal problem. Now, the definition of an entrepreneur is that they take up, you know, they, they try to solve a problem that they didn't actually create in the first place. And if you have the ability to pull together this technology, and when you do the, the maths on what has been spent on this group of companies, when you take the integument, which was Evocutus, before it was Labskin, so far, there's about 120 million pounds spent on the group. The fact that it's only worth right now 58, 60 million means that you know, there's plenty to actually go. Even when you take Microsaic, 30 million pounds went into Microsaic at a valuation of 70 million back in 2011. And the value of that now is actually only 14 million, something like that. It hasn't even got back up. And here you have 19 years of technology that miniaturizes something that used to be the size of a fridge freezer and is now the size of a hotel room safe which is why you know this is a portable capability and we're, we're going to take that and shift that as part of the actual package into the distribution channel that we already have with modern water it's an extension so we've just completely turned that business model to the same successful business model we did with modern water to the same one we did with integument i'm not selling it i'm just simply saying that the formula works you are selling it, Jared, but that's good. That's what we want. Yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're here. <laughs> Is it true to say that the sum of parts of those businesses would be much more than 58 million? The opportunity cost regarding data, et cetera, would be much more, you know, more than that. The, the IP, et cetera, et cetera. And... Do you think that the fact that the businesses are, I mean, there's so much in Deep Verge is actually, you know, it's sort of, you've got a lot of stuff hidden in plain sight. People haven't quite, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's rocket science as well. And they don't know whether you're, a, you know, you're, you're lambskin or you're modern water or you're, you know, you're this or you're that. And is it a little bit sprawling in, in that sort of, you know, the, from an investor relations point of view? Jared, as your lawyer, I don't want you to answer that question. <laughs> uh, remember, that what's going through my head is that song, you know, it's all about the base, but it's all about the data. Um, <laughs> and, and the three pillars, the three pillars of the company are the environmental, skin trust club, and lab skin. Those are the three. So, and they all rely upon the data. They send data up. It's analyzed and the data is sent back down again. It's pure, pure data. So the data is like the glue of the business, let's say. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it is the glue. 
so if you sort of sold off modern water, if you sold off uh, lab skin or you spun off this or you spun off that, that wouldn't work. You need to have all those together. No, it's no. It's a bit like getting, get, getting rid of Kevin and, and Albert from the podcast. You know, we've, we've, we've designed those three pillars. <laughs> that might improve it. Yeah, we've we designed those three pillars so that each and every one of them at any point in time could be isolated. And, you know, we've, we've shown with, you know, China resources, the level of capacity of demand that can be done for monitoring and, and, uh, and fixing the water system, the global water crisis. We've created a similar setup to 23andMe when it comes to the Skin Trust Club. And LabSkin has 18 of the top 20 skincare companies as their clients working off data that's accumulated over the last 15 years, which could be isolated and separate. So each one of them, three, could potentially be worth the price of what it is that the company is worth now and more. The China resources deal, you know, this week, if that had been announced by Balfour Beatty or some kind of, you know, engineering group or some, you know, I mean, just a, a name in that sector, people would have gone mad. Yeah. But, I, I've, know, even, I've, I've even said, you know, 41 billion is what Pfizer turns over in revenue every year. If we'd said Pfizer and not China resources, which is more than twice the turnover, it's because the actual Western world actually sees that in the stock market and has, you know, knows what Pfizer is. I couldn't understand. Again, you know, it's aim, crazy aim. Don't don't worry. The value will out. Uh, you, you know, I know about. Well, no, I mean, I think the point of this exercise is that you've had, you know, you have a a good amount of time and it's interactive, so it's not just a lecture that you get on the normal webinars that there are. There now, it's actually people can stop you, interrupt you try and pull you down and all that sort of stuff but, but <laughs> i think it's i think i seriously think with this stock i've held it for a year because that's what i do buy it hold it but i seriously think it'll get understood one day and when it does it'll be a great day the yeah. other point is that the the, 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 the the profits and the the revenues and the growth they speak for well, themselves that's, but... that's the key fundamentals for me yeah but you don't really you don't i mean in a way if, if uh, jerry did nothing and just uh, you just saw the the, the pnl that would really do what, it, what, what excites me is a, a flip of a company that's one thing it's like the surfing the wave it's you kind of just ride in the crest and then you know it just grows and you're like you become part of this big thing you buy it when it's little and surf it when it's big and that excites me it's not even the cash the trading out but it's the succeeding in an idea well, isn't that's that the bit i like you're, you're investing in the growth when you're actually talking about these small AIM companies where they've lost millions the, the previous years, it's not the same value proposition of actually going in and looking at the balance sheet of, or, or the P&L of, of BP or some of those FTSE-sized companies or even medium-sized companies. But you're looking at the transformational business model of what ultimately had substantial value from an investor's perspective back in the day when it was conceptual and having built that technology to deliver the finished product, just not being sold in the right way. Like you've got to have recurring revenue. You can't spend your investment selling kit because when you sell kit, you've got to find someone who will buy another piece of kit after you've sold the first one. And you have to have the sales and support structure in place, which is an overhead cost to manage what you've already installed. But if you're selling tests, recurring revenue, monitoring, you're getting paid every single month for monitoring. 
And over a period of time, when you aggregate all of that up, you get a yield company, subsidiary company, that's generating a consistent cash flow that can securitize and even sell it and list it on the exchange, <laughs> you know, at a premium yield. Like that's where we're heading. It's not a case of, oh, you know, he should update his guidance, you know, on the 10 million. We will update a guidance at the appropriate time. We're a small company. We're gone you know, 4.4 million, which is 10% more than what I said we'd do, 10 million this year. Um, I've smiled on, on the proactive videos when, when we talk about it. There's a time that I can update. There's a time that I would give further guidance. It's not today, and it won't be for a few more months. By that point in time, it'll be at where I have to. That's the people who, who would actually be desperate for me to actually give them a constant update and tell them that it's this or it's that. There's only a certain amount we can do because we're really restricted. You know, 90% growth in value of the shares over 12 months and nearly 300% since I took it over. From a, a shareholder's perspective, it's all about timing, isn't it? When you actually get in, did you get in at above where we're at now? Or did you get in like you, Albert, at 2p or, or 20p, the equivalent now? And I just keep saying this in every early young shareholder that actually you know, tweets me or DMs me when they, they talk about the share price. I just say over time, not overnight. I've spent 27 years in the city of London and the people that actually try and you know, hit the actual top of the market to sell and wait for the bottom of the market to actually buy, they don't exist, it's a myth. Compound interest, compound growth with companies that you research in, with management that you can talk to and hold to account if they promise something and they don't deliver, that's when you sell. If they promise something and do deliver, sit on your hands. Well, that's, uh, I think the other final point, just to finish, I suppose uh, there are a lot of companies or many companies don't have any, anything to guide on. Uh, they're just... Uh, a blue sky or the, it's, a, it's a wing and a prayer and everything else so we've actually so you've got gu guidance is a company which is issuing guidance is normally it's normally a good thing uh, in itself in fact uh, that's sort of the uh, if you look through rns's there aren't that many companies that uh, are able to uh, to be in your your kind of position and just be sort of guy you know just uh, uh, saying you know this month we'll do this this month we'll do that next year we'll do this i mean it's uh, you've actually got quite a precise thing going there in terms of what you can say to the market compared to many others same as bills uh, to-do list if you actually have if you know where you're going if you have a plan if you know how to get there if you appoint the right people to do it and they deliver go back and look at the 31st of, of march rns that was the quarter one look look just just look at the list i've been staring at it for the last hour actually so uh, I'm, I'm quite familiar with it now thank you very much jerry great to have you on the program at and it's just, you know, it's like an education, both in obviously your company, but also in uh, how to communicate with the market. And uh, also, I sort of imagine you juggling many things in the air as well, even though you've got your team. Delegation. That's the key. <laughs> All right, then, guys. Thank that's you, the, Jerry. That's the right much, Jerry. <laughs> okay, Jerry, I hope, hope you enjoyed the crack, mate. <laughs> All the best, guys. Cheers. All the best. God bless. Bye-bye. Right, we'll go on to Kevin's week. Uh, hopefully, as uh, we know, there won't be another song. Uh, but I don't know if there's is there any tune that's appropriate for this week. 
Um, I don't know. It might come to me in a minute. Just wait. Bear I with can't me. believe you. Silence again. What, what about silence yeah. is golden? Silence is golden. <laughs> gold. Was it with the tremolos or someone like that? I think that. Uh, yeah, that was a good. That was a crap. Help! I need somebody help. Not just anybody. Help! Okay, I'll sing the rest later. Okay, my my week. Um, yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday was amazing. Um, and then it wasn't so amazing after that for some reason. Um, yeah, a few highlights. Um, Zoetech, or should I say Zoetic, um, raised some money, got rid of a deal that everybody thought was bad because they thought it was a death spiral, but it really wasn't. So that was interesting. 60p raise. Um, considering we were over a pound a while ago, that seems very cheap, but a very good week. We went up to 69, came back down to 63. I think we finished 65 today or 64. I can't remember which. We finished strongly above the place in price. And as our guru, Zach Mir says, if you place money and then you finish above that place in price, you're in the money. It's going to keep going up. So I expect Zoetech to have a very good future in the next few weeks, especially as the sales figures come out. Um, Phil's already covered the CMRS thing, which was pretty sensational in, on the Tuesday. But if this is a sell, a sell, the three million, then that's obviously the reason why I didn't bat on to 30p and 35p. But I think that's going to be next week if that's what if that's what comes out in the wash. Recapping on last week, David came to see us and the week before Rich and Polden for uh, Valerium. So Valerium had a good week. I think it was up sort of 25% near enough uh, until today. And I had a bit of a wobble today because uh, there was a few rumours flying about. And uh, actually David uh, Lenigas decided to tell us he had to keep quiet in the, in one of the groups. So uh, everybody got a bit of a wobble on. Um, so I bought some more. So that was good. And then it recovered a bit. Yeah, Phil already covered RMM, so I'm not going to cover it. The one that I had a lot of money invested in in the past, and I sold it because they raised a lot of money at 2P, was ALGW. And... Uh, yeah, ever since I sold it. And I did make good money because I went in at 1.8, I think, and sold a lot at 3 and 2.8. Is probably going to keep on going up and up and up if this deal is finalized eventually. Expecting 14 to 20p, really. I think ultimately it's going to be there in the next few months, I think. Um, once Gobin signs off on the deal for the insurance company and they're going to have... 300 million uh, assets under management you know the company is going to be worth considerably more i think than it is now yeah wish i still had the socks stocks but you can't hold everything yeah so it was a good week i definitely finished up and yeah looking forward to positive things happening and some of the things uh, going forward as well okay that's good i think the uh, algw i like that i think i pointed it out in the uh midweek takeaway about the um, the unfilled gap through resistance which was there earlier which was there last month through sort of four four and a half p uh, never filled that gap and just kept on building from there that's what you see in the the blue chip let's say movers the, the, the most consistent movers that they just 
they don't give the Bears a chance once they break out. Uh, that's sort of the way of looking at it, I suppose. And the interesting thing, really, I was fascinated, really, listening to David Lenegas and also remind me of his name again, the other Siam gentleman, Siam Kid. In terms of just simply explaining the NFTs and stuff um, last week, Valerium seemed to be on the game of doing NFTs in some of the big tech companies. They announced this on the 5th of March, RNS. So whoever that may be, you know, could be Facebook, Amazon, Tesla, whoever. They're going to do NFT and basically allow people to buy parts of those shares. Because obviously, if you want to buy an Amazon share now, how much does it cost you? $3,300 or something crazy. So not many people can buy even one if they're going to be investing. So now you maybe you're going to be able to buy, you know, a thousandth percent as an NFT. See you later, Kevin. <laughs> well, that shot him up anyway. Right, moving on. Well, no yeah. more. Thank God. Drop us to subscribe. So we go for Albert just on the outro. I'll do a bit of an outro and then that's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just. I've been a bit. I've looked at my app that I've written, and I just. I've got no drive to buy anything new at the minute. I nearly bought more SNG today. I just think at the price it's at. I think the numbest note the ball target was something crazy like 50 but I mean five. I think five pounds are reasonable in SNU I nearly sliced up into it today but that was my only kind of trading for this week really to be honest I've, um, I'm just holding position at the minute it's like being on the front line of a war kind of ready to go but there's no point moving because there's nothing coming at you and if you move you might get shot cannon foddered so and that's how I like it. Stealth positions, ready to go, pop. And then I'll be interested. But right now, with the way the world and the markets are, you make a decision and it might be, you know, counterproductive for you. So I think stick on to your fundamentals. Don't panic sell. Else you could potentially lose money. And don't go for any crazy positions. And for me, stay away from Bitcoin blockchain. I'm sorry, I know you all, you, I know you all love it, but too binary for me, too risky. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just hanging fire at the minute on everything I hold. And uh, nothing's interesting me. Absolutely nothing is interesting me at the minute. Apart from the lovely Jasmine. <laughs> we, booked, uh, we booked Ibiza. So we're going to Ibiza in June. And I need to look at Boris's announcement to... I don't know if I'd be. I don't in the think green it's on there, actually. It's not, it's, uh, there's only oh, 12 don't countries. Tell me this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Spain. Spania. It's got to be on it, surely. Uh, Gibraltar. Well, maybe we'll have to go somewhere else if it's not on there. But I'll uh, I'll check up on it no, later. I think, just, I think you just hit Portugal, actually. That's probably the, the way to go. But uh, Yeah, um, Portugal. Well, I've got flexi flights anyway, so it means I can change it. So. But yeah, that's it for me. Nothing else. It was nice that's to have great. Jerry on talking about the old Deep Verge. Oh, that was nice. And Phil, do you want to close out? Yeah, I've got one just quickly. I mean, it's a position I've been in for a while and I've sliced and been in, in, in well, I've sliced out some, but I've always kept a core holding. Uh, it's Oriole Resources. And um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's the usual impatient move on and it just causes that that horrible kind of like death spiral down from the highs you know and it's just it's just it's just impatient and it's people you know rainbow chasing to the next stop fine so i've been adding this week um 
Tim Livesey, the CEO, added uh, a couple of weeks ago, a small position, very modest, £5,000 worth about 600,000 shares at 0.8 pence. Always a, a nice sign as if to say, look, I'm buying at these levels. You should probably follow, well, I, well, you know. Um, Djibouti assay results due in Q2. Cameroon, they've got Bibami drilling, confirming visible gold, lava prospects. Um, they've acquired 51% ownership of RMC Sol in Cameroon as well, near the, the, the Bibami um, asset. And they are also awaiting more results from the Sonala um, joint venture with I Am Gold. So for me at 0.7 pens, 0.72, whatever it is, it is offers a really, really, really cheap entry into a gold miner in a safe, well-endowed um, area, you know, mining area within Senegal. And, and they're not just a one-trick pony. They've got Senegal, they've got Cameroon, they've got Djibouti, got Turkey. So, that you know, the, the very, very experienced board, Tim Livesey. And they've also got Bob Smeaton on board. And then they've got Claire Bay, who's their kind of, their head geologist. Lovely, lovely people. And Tim, I spoke to Tim this week, and he is very receptive to coming on the Sunday Roast once the assay results are out. So who knows when it is? We don't know, but you know, we, we, I'm sure we'll all welcome him. He's, he's a good guy. So um, yeah, that's that's my kind of one that I'm adding to. Uh, I'm not, I've not opened any new positions this week. I've been adding to existing ones. I told you about adding to Forb today. Forb Ventures FOR is the ticker, and I will continue to build a position in Oriol Resources because I think that they're 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 just undervalued. Oh, that sounds very healthy. My week was dominated by the last. Four hours. I had uh, lunch with Gareth Cave of RMS and Farm to Farm fame. Never met him before. I've talked to him a few times and everything else. And obviously with the lockdown, you can't meet anybody. So, and it's also interesting, actually, the character of the man, because he's quite, you know, he's quite a man's man. And, you know, you sort of think he's, you know, he's one of the lads and everything else and sort of like a rugby player type. But at the same time... When's he coming on? He's coming on this time next week. So next Friday. Woohoo! Very nice. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, he was happy to... There wasn't quite enough time today to squeeze him in, but the uh, the next Friday he can come on and will come on. He's happy to give it a, you know, to chat. And I think that's the thing about the, the Sunday Roast, that, you know, somebody can go into detail and just, you know, you can sort of kick the tyres and uh, go through stuff. And obviously with um, the whole RMS thing and uh, what he's doing, there's quite a lot to talk about, really, isn't there? So uh, both historically and what might happen next... Uh, but just it was just great to meet him and um, really sort of uh, just see the character of the person as well because obviously there's been a lot of bits and pieces flying around in the market and beyond. So uh, uh, uh-huh. a very down to earth guy and a good guy. The best investor in AIM is involved somewhere along the line, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we are. No, that was I think that was uh, probably. Um, I think I said, when I said it, I don't normally say anything when I do my bulletin board heroes. I don't normally make any. Uh, any comments but i just uh, i think that when i covered um chamberlain at uh, 7p i just said yeah this is this has got to be a, a favorite of mine <laughs> and people picked up on it but it hit uh, 14 pence uh, this week which was very nice nice uh, yep. charting story and also a nice i think the fundamentals there of uh, you know the bigger metal basher and going old school I did, I did actually like that story as well i think it's you know with brexit you know you've got to, you've got to produce more stuff here uh, because of all the red tape and stuff like that. So it kind of makes sense. And uh, it, I think it also, it's nice to have a bit of old old school stuff against the NFTs and the 
rocket science and the this and that. You've actually got something, you know, you're making, you know, a product X and it's, uh, it's all, you know, it's low, low tech and uh, stuff that people always need. The Futsi had a good day today, no? Yeah, that was something that I was uh, talking about midweek. I, I think nobody's really picked up on it. It's normally you get something in the paper saying, you know, the Futsi's closed at this high and that high. It's the best since this. I don't really see, I think we haven't really seen that at all went through 7,000 the other week and now I think it's gone through 7,100 and you know the way it is if it wasn't the FTSE if it was something else you'd just say 7,500 7,600 here we come you know by the end of June I mean you'd be that you'd be that confident because it's the FTSE and it's normally a complete dog you keep quiet but it is I think that is that is the kind of thing that you know will drag everything and there'll be a rising tide it'll filter down to the small cap area which is obviously good for us and I think also that kind of feeling where, you know, we're all a bit, we all sound jaded and you know, Albert sounds jaded and he sounds like oh, there's nothing really inspiring and not near. That's normally the feeling there is before a move up, not a move down. They just, the market just bores you to death, tires you out. You get out saying, oh, there's nothing happening here. And that's when the, when the market roars, you know, two, 300, 400, 500 points. And I think we're at that. Uh, it's a punchy call. I just think on sentiment wise, I think that's the sort of market we're in. And you probably have a lot of people getting out of stuff, thinking there's nothing going on now, I'll take profits. And actually, it, it's you know, they'll be kicking themselves in a few weeks' time. So let's see whether I'll be kicking myself yeah. after that prediction. But uh, there we are. <laughs> so, no, it's okay, uh, Zach. We'll, 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 call it. we'll kick you instead. You don't need to do it yourself. Yeah, one thing, I'll say, yeah, that's good. one thing I quickly will add is that we've set up a Facebook page, the Sunday Road. So what, any any fans, if you want to just search for the group, you will see. You will see it. You, you you can click the join button, and we will we will um, accept you. And we you will obviously you know you, you'll be able to post in there, and you'll be able to talk to you know, all of us really. So um, you know if you want, want to interact with us and tell us about your weeks and, and what you've been up to and any shares, you know we, we we talk about obviously stocks we've already talked about, but we're always receptive to hearing stocks. Um, if you put a good pay a good uh, case across, then we will investigate them and. Maybe it'll invest. So yeah, please, please jump on and um, you know grow the community. It is a, it's a, it's a great place to talk and, and share things. And what we do have is exclusive content on there as well from from the midweek takeaway. So yeah, please please, please jump in and uh, and join the group. Well, that's it for another week. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed uh, listening to Jerry or Gerald, as he doesn't want to be known as. Thank you to Kevin Hornsby. Thank you to Albert Arthur, whose microphone was noticeably not as irritable as it normally is. Irritable Mike syndrome is what he normally has, but it wasn't, you know. But he, he compensated by, like, you know, he's like speaking to well, the mic I'll, like Noddy Holder. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I did it from the hot tub last week. I didn't want yeah, to tell you. It sounded like you were underwater. Yeah, we didn't know. <laughs> I was, well, you know, it's relaxing. It's a Friday. I want to sit in the oh. hot tub. So I was doing it and I didn't want to tell anyone. I dropped my phone a couple of times, you know. Don't tell but, me you didn't have clothes on either. I was in Speedos. I'll be better information. Information overload. Kevin just made me get naked. He's that good at singing, you know. <laughs> All right, so uh, I can't remember. Well, I was trying to do the outro again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, go on then. No, that's fine. I've lost my the speedos. I've lost it now. So, uh, so we just uh, gonna say goodbye to Phil Carroll. Yeah, well, yeah. So goodbye, everyone. We'll see you next week. And if I'm, I can't remember, what I said goodbye to Phil. But anyway, that's uh, that's probably that's enough for this week. And um, we'll see you next time. <laughs>